Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. My sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Do you believe that this morning? Is that your story? Is that your testimony? My sins, they are many. His mercy is more. We have this illustrated for us on the back splash of our stage as part of our spiritual gift series. Our sins, they were many. His mercy was more on that cross. Jesus bled and died for our sins. It should have been you and it should have been me on that cross paying for our own sins. But Jesus stepped in because his mercy is more. His grace is greater than our sins. Amen? That's why we're here this morning, in case you forgot. Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, and he ascended to the Father, the scriptures say. And when he got there, he sent the Holy Spirit, which is represented by the dove, because the dove came when Jesus was baptized, and so that's become the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings us the gifts of the Father. I just thought of this right now. You know how the stork supposedly brings the baby? Well, the Holy Spirit brought the gifts. That's pretty cool. He brings the gifts and distributes them to the church as he wills. And so we're in this series right now on the, uh, the spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk this morning about the power gifts. This is a grouping of gifts that um, some people are afraid to talk about, but we need to go there because we have to talk about every part of Scripture, not just the parts that are popular or easy to understand. Amen? All right, so as a part of this uh, spiritual gift series, you'll recall maybe uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago when we started this series, I challenged the church with this. We want everybody in Mountain View to be assured of their salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want everyone at Mountain View Church to be demonstrating that, that belief by your obedience in being water baptized. We want everyone in the church confident, therefore, in their spiritual gifts, and we want everyone using those spiritual gifts, serving your church faithfully on an ongoing basis. And if you were there that morning, you'll recall we had a pretty slim show of hands of people who were doing all four of those things. You've been born again, you've been baptized in obedience to the Lord Jesus, you know what your gifts are, and you're operating in them. And and there was a very small show of hands. And so our goal is, by the end of this series, that every person here should have no excuse for being able to say confidently yes to all four of those things. That's where we're going. And so the power gifts, this series of gifts, demonstrate the reality of the unseen God because God is invisible, and yet he's given us many ways for us to know his power and to know who he is. Um, Jesus even said it himself, you know, the wind blows wherever it wants, and you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, but you can see the effects of the wind, and that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. So many people are afraid of this group of gifts, or they're skeptical of this group of gifts, because of a few few key reasons. One is that perhaps they were taught by another church or another preacher that these gifts are not for today. But I see nowhere in Scripture that says these gifts have been canceled or they're no longer operative. The Bible teaches that every Christian is available or able to have a personal, tangible experience of the Holy Spirit's presence and power as a normal, ongoing, lifelong pursuit of Jesus. But for some people, since you can't fit the movement of the Holy Spirit into an Excel spreadsheet with the columns and the rows, 
They want to reject anything that doesn't fit into their man-made grid of how God wants to work today. That's a problem. Another reason that you might be skeptical or afraid of these gifts is because you've seen abuses of these gifts. Maybe you've been in a church that made you feel very uncomfortable, maybe by a crazy or chaotic or hysterical display. And it's sad that those people make a bad name for what are actually genuine gifts. And maybe you've seen it on TV or whatever, people going absolutely nuts. Chaos, disorder, that is not of God. We'll just get that out of the way right now. Number three, another reason you might be skeptical or fearful of these gifts is because you've tried to be open to them in the past, but you were hurt or disappointed when they didn't work as advertised. So you prayed for healing for someone and they didn't get better. You prayed for supernatural provision and you ended up losing it all. You prayed for God to change a situation and it only went from bad to worse. So some of us may have that experience and we're skeptical, therefore, of the gifts. But at MVF, we are committed to a view of the Holy Spirit and a view of the spiritual gifts that is based on a complete, comprehensive view of the Scriptures. And in all three of those hesitations that I just listed to you, there's a problem with cherry-picking, where we take one part of Scripture and we elevate it and focus on it to the complete neglect of other passages of Scripture. We don't want to do that. We have to stay in balance. And the balance for us is word and spirit. The Word is the written Word. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit, He is the mystery. He is the one who fills our hearts with the wonderful things of God's truth. I want you to picture for just a second a a big grandfather clock. Maybe you have one. Maybe someone you're related to has a great big grandfather clock with a big pendulum. You know what I'm talking about? The big pendulum goes like this. And so we need Word and we need the Holy Spirit. And for this clock to keep working, it can't just get stuck in any location. It can't get stuck over here on the Word. It can't get stuck over here on the Holy Spirit. It can't get stuck here. It has to keep moving. And so we go into the Word of God. We develop our theology. We understand what God wants, what He has said, what He's clearly revealed to us. And then we move into the operation of that by the Holy Spirit. But we can't just stay over here in the Holy Spirit because that can become kind of subjective after a while. And so we've got to get back and be rooted in the Holy Scriptures. Yes? We've got to keep this pendulum moving. And we make a great error any time in Christianity. We, we get stuck on just one or the other. We preach the word so hard that we deny the spirit, or we preach the spirit so hard that we deny the word. We don't want to do that. We've got to keep this thing moving because we need to be deeply rooted in the scriptures so that we're not blown around and chasing the latest ideas or emotional sensationalism. And some people need to be cautioned on that. But some of you need to be cautioned by the fact that God's Holy Spirit is still active. He is still speaking today. And his power is not something that we should try to put limits on. Because there will always be mystery in how God works. Because it's a relationship, not a dictatorship. God still wants to do supernatural things in our midst today. But he won't do them sometimes because we've already decided in our minds that God doesn't work that way anymore. And I would call that a circular argument or a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if you don't believe the power gifts are operative today, you're going to surround yourself with others who agree with you, and you're going to hang out with those kind of people. And what do you know? There's no power gifts. Because you've already decided that those are the kind of people you're hanging out with, and it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas when you hang out with people who do believe the gifts are operative, and they operate in them, what do you know? The gifts are operative today, and we do see God working in these ways. And so we need to be willing this morning to consider that maybe some of our long-held or deeply-held views on these things may not be so deeply rooted in the Scripture as we thought they were. And I had to come to that point several years ago in my life that the deeply-held things I was taught, my deeply-held beliefs, were not as rooted in Scripture as I had thought they were. And so the power gifts demonstrate the reality 
of the unseen God. We're going to go through five of these gifts this morning. The first gift is discernment. Discernment is having God's mind to know if a teaching or a philosophy is of God or if it is the false teaching of evil spirits. And I would point you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, which is a discussion of the spiritual gifts. And Paul, at the end of that, he says, listen, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Check that out one more time. Lies so clever they sound like truth. Discernment is what we need in the church so that false teachings don't come in and shipwreck us. And we also need to have discernment as we operate in this world, as we live in the world that God has given us. For example, when we read the news or listen to the news, that we're not deceived by those who are trying to get us to buy into their narrative of how they want us all to think. I mean, have you noticed that mainstream news always comes with a bias they want you to buy into on either side of the spectrum? They've already made up their mind about how you should think about every issue that is coming your way. And so we need discernment. Pastor Don last week talked about um, the political state of our country and how we need to get back to the, the foundation that we were, we were founded on. And it's never about red or blue, is it? It's about righteous and unrighteous. And if that's the case, then both red and blue need to hit on their knees real hard and repent because both have made great, great errors. And by the way, we never want to fall for this belief that some savior is going to come along and rescue us and save us politically. That's idolatry. Only Jesus. And we pray our nation rebounds and recovers and all this kind of stuff, but we can't just put our hope in one person believing they're going to turn the tide for us. That's not how it works. We need discernment. And by the way, can you discern when government and media is manipulating you? Because they do it every day. If you have this gift, the spiritual gift of discernment, and it happens to be one of my gifts, but it's a double-edged sword. And I'll tell you why. Because when I hear the news and read the news, I'm like poking holes in the Swiss cheese everywhere it goes. I hear you saying this, but I know it's this because the Spirit has revealed it. I hear you saying this, but the Word of God clearly says this, and it can't be, therefore. And so you're just kind of poking holes in it all over the place. It's like a sport for me, really, watching the news. But the Holy Spirit has given certain people in the church a very fine ability to discern local and national and even world geopolitical events. For example, COVID-19 was a very real virus that came to us with a side order of the greatest propaganda campaign in human history. Restrictions on humanity that were demonic in their origin and have forever changed the world that we live in. And by the way, this is not over yet because I believe there's going to be more of this kind of thing as the day of the Lord draws near. Why do I think that? Because the power of biased media to influence people's belief systems and behaviors has accelerated beyond anything we've ever seen. It's accelerated behind all that is reasonable, and that is rooted in the spiritual realms. How you hear and perceive the news is a spiritual matter. And it doesn't matter what issue we're talking about here. We can talk about COVID. We could talk about Ukraine, the war in Ukraine. We could talk about BLM. We could talk about climate change. Every one of those has a seed of truth, right? Something that we should be concerned about, yes? but it gets blown up out of proportion. And you are told now to swallow the whole tree or you're a terrible person. That's how it works. So if you have this gift of discernment, it's only going to come to you as you mature in your love for the Word of God. Let me tell you something, church. Discerners 
saturate themselves in this book. They read it cover to cover to cover again and again. And by the time you leave this earth, you should have read this book through maybe even triple-digit numbers of times. That's how much we need to know if we're going to be discerning of what is going on because we need to know how God works. We need to know what God likes and what he doesn't like and his plan for the unfolding of what is yet to come. And so we need truth. And we need to know, watch this, if you've fallen asleep already, come back to the light. Check this out. You need to know the difference between truth and almost truth. Check it out. How did Adam and Eve get deceived in the Garden of Eden? Did Satan come up with some crazy, bodacious lie and feed it to them? They would have saw right through that. No, he came as close to the truth as he could possibly get, and then he backed off and twisted it. In fact, he used God's word and twisted it. And so we need this gift of discernment. Adam and Eve were not able to sword through truth and almost truth. And so people in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, for example, Apostle Paul, Apostle John, Peter, Jude, James, all the New Testament writers, in fact, their writings are constantly pointing to this kind of concept of, hey, watch out, there are going to be people who come in around you, and they're going to try to sound like they love God, but they're actually frauds. They try to get into your mind and deceive you, all the while sounding religious. And so the devil and all who follow him are masters of hijacking biblical phrases such as, Love your neighbor. Deliberately twisting Jesus' words to cause people to actually not love their neighbor. You see, that was a great lie. So clever that it sounded like truth during the pandemic and billions fell for it. Why? Because they lacked discernment. And we need discernment because the bombardment of false voices is constantly trying to take us away from following the pure and simple truth of God's word. We need discernment. Amen? We need it in the church because the world is trying to deceive us. That's the first power gift, okay? Discernment. Second power gift I want to talk about right now is the gift of tongues. Some people are so afraid of this topic that they don't even want to talk about it because it just makes people angry and they get all bent out of shape and everything else. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of heat around the gift of tongues that has to do with abuses and grandstanding and hysterical displays of idiocy. Let's just call it that, okay? but is nonetheless a real gift. There's a lot of confusion around it, though, that has to do with a fundamental understanding, misunderstanding, of different kinds of tongues. And I believe there's at least three that are presented in Scripture. So if you look at the book of Acts, for example, chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, we saw people speaking in tongues and prophesying, just like the prophet Joel had predicted they would. And what was happening in that situation, it was very specific. It was Jews... It was specifically unbelieving Jews. It was even more specifically unbelieving Jews who had come from other parts of the world to Jerusalem and they were all hearing the gospel of Jesus in their own language. And they just marveled. How is it possible that we're hearing in our native tongue the gospel of Jesus? That was the gift of tongues that was given to the early church at the moment of Pentecost. That's the first kind of tongues. The second kind of tongues we see in 1 Corinthians 14, which is a message that is given by God through someone in a language they may not understand, but it requires an interpretation, which is where we get the interpretation gift from. And I've seen this done properly, and I've seen this done in a total scandalous way, where one has a word that they're given, it's a, it's a prophetic word perhaps, but it's a tongue, and someone comes and interprets it, and it's very orderly, and it's confirmed by the Holy Spirit. That's a second kind of tongues, which I believe is still active today. Now, the third kind of tongues that exists would also be found in 1 Corinthians 14, and perhaps in Romans chapter 8, the passage that Pastor Ryan spoke this morning, and it has to do with 
personally being built up in our faith. It has to do with uh, what I would call a prayer language. It is something that the Holy Spirit brings to us that allows us to commune in a deeper way with God. I believe a lot of people can get this gift. Maybe some don't, but uh, we don't want to build our own church based on this little tiny doctrine, right? Um, It's something that I operate in, uh, and it helps me to communicate with God. It's something that totally surprised me one day as I was sitting on my couch all by myself having devotions, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't put God in a box, and I got a little surprise for you. That's how he works. That's how gracious our God is to us. So, again, we're not going to start a new church based on the doctrine of tongues, but we need to know it's there, and I believe it is active and present for today. Gift number three that I want to talk about this morning is the gift of miracles. So in the Old Testament, we see miracles many different times through people like Moses, the great prophet, and Elijah, who worked crazy miracles. I mean, he commanded that the the rain wouldn't fall for three years, and that happened. And so uh, when Jesus came on the scene... The first 30 years of his life, there were no miracles in his life, but the last three years of his life, it was like nonstop miracles, right? One of the main functions of miracles is a sign to unbelievers. The miracles are for gospel proclamation or gospel witness. They accompany the the proclamation of the gospel. Mark chapter 16, the very ending of that book, talks about when the gospel is preached, it will be accompanied by signs and wonders and healings and miracles, and people will cast out demons And that the purpose of it all is to give validation to the gospel word. So in other words, we have the word of God, but we also have the power of God at the same time. So these gifts of miracles give proof that God's gospel is true. Not just in words, but in power. And so all through the book of Acts, for example, we see that wherever the gospel is being preached, very often miracles accompany that as confirmation that the same power that raised Christ up from the dead was also alive in the early disciples. And the the fact of the matter is some people won't believe on Christ until they see a display of his undeniable power that accompanies the proclamation of the gospel. And so if you've been given this gift of miracles, um, it may be that you also are called on to bless people in the church. It could be for us here that, that we could see miracles and give glory to God and as a testimony of his power as well. But I think primarily the purpose of miracles is to give witness to an unbelieving world. Because in a day when all value systems are considered equal... I believe that only a display of God's power in this way might break through um, the steel and the ice in some people's hearts. And so that's just a brief synopsis of miracles. The fourth gift I want to talk to you about is prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 3 says, One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. And so in short, the gift of prophecy builds up the church. Prophecy is the ability to hear the Holy Spirit and pass on a special word from the Lord to help others in their relationship with God. Prophecy is speaking biblical truth into a current situation. And Pastor Ryan this morning, when he brought that word to us, he felt that the Holy Spirit impressed that on him to bring it to us. That is a form of the gift of prophecy. Now, sometimes these words from God come through visions or images or dreams. I've had all the above. um, Or a scripture that the Holy Spirit impresses upon us. And I've had it happen in all of those ways. Um, But this spiritual gift helps others to hear God's promises in a fresh way and point us toward what God wants to do and how to go about it. But in order to talk about true prophecies, we have to talk about false prophecies. Again, kind of pulling on this spiritual gift of discernment a little bit, right? Because the Bible warns us all over the place about false prophecies. And false prophecies often come from what I would call lone wolves, who desired to become popular and draw a following for themselves by saying things like, God told me so, right? 
And you'll notice people who say such things actually never deliver the message of God. They don't talk about repentance from sin, for example. Instead, they get people all worked up about dates and times and specific events, and they tickle the ears of the hearer, telling people what they want to hear, and those are warning signs of a false prophet, okay? True prophecy rarely tells you what you want to hear. True prophecy is offensive to our flesh because it will confront our sin nature very many times. Now, Jeremiah was a true prophet. And in his book, in the 23rd chapter, he tells us real prophecies come from people who have spent time as worshipers in God's presence, surrendered to his will. Therefore, prophecies come from mature believers, not from proud people. And so many of the prophecies in both Old and New Testament come to us in the form of warnings and a call to obedience and greater service. The Holy Spirit's instructions through prophecy will never contradict the Bible, but rather speak a fresh application to the current events of our lives. And God uses believers in this way to encourage and build up each other. In fact, I'm here, my family is here at MVF because of the ministry of prophecy, because of that spiritual gift. Every step of our journey... And I'll tell you the story sometime if you want to know the full details. But every step of our journey to get here to MVF came about as a fulfillment of direct prophecy through words that were spoken over me and some that God gave me directly to encourage me in what was a very difficult process to get here. And so I'm thankful for that gift. Uh, Revelation 19 tells us, verse 10, that the purpose and essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. And so if prophecies and visions do not lead us into greater love and obedience toward Jesus, they are not of God. Let me put it to you this way. If a prophecy has to do with you getting more things to satisfy your worldly pleasures, the prophecy is not of God. Can we be clear about that? False prophets promise you what you want in this life in order to get a hold of your money and make you spiritually dependent on them. That is not the gift of prophecy. That is the abuse of the gift of prophecy. And so prophecy, just like discernment, is a gift that is developed as you become a student, a very serious student of God's word. You must be trained in this gift. You need to spend time with people who have this gift in order to steward the gift and to operate in it properly. And prophecy is confirmed and tested by other believers in the community. It's not just something that you get up and tell people, God told me to tell you. It comes with humility. And sometimes it works like this. When I get a prophetic word, I'll often call some of my, my brothers who I trust who also operate in this gift and I'll say, I've been getting this sense from the Lord. Are you guys getting anything similar in your time with the Lord? And we bounce these ideas off of each other. And I had a prophecy at the very outset of COVID that proved to be true in every regard, and it was confirmed by other brothers who were getting the exact same message from God. And I can tell you all about that sometime if you want to have another conversation about this. This is real. This is true. I know it because I've experienced it. And next Sunday night, it was in the announcement loop, but next Sunday night, I'm going to be doing a training session on this spiritual gift of discernment. So we're going to have a night of, uh, of, of worship and prophecy. And uh, if you want to learn how to operate in the prophetic gift, uh, I want to provide this training for you next week, uh, 6.30 in Aspen Room. I hope you'll come. Bring your Bible. Bring a pad of paper. This is actually a lot of fun when we get together and we start hearing what God says because he often speaks in a composite vision. So he'll give one person one piece of it and another person will get another piece of it and another person, maybe even another piece, and you start putting it together as a composite, and all of a sudden the lights come on, and you realize that's what God is saying to us in this moment. It's, it's really a fun thing. So I hope if you believe that you have the gift of, of uh, prophecy, and it showed up high on your test when you did it, maybe you want to come in and check it out and see if we can get some training and get you activated in that gift. 
Okay, the last gift I want to talk to you about this morning is healing. Another power gift. Healing. Does God still heal today? Some of you say yes. Some of you are like, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, I was 20 years old, and in my junior year of college, when I'd finished my Christmas exams and I flew home, and during my Christmas break, you know, I had three weeks and, and things were getting a little slow around the house, so I was looking for a project. And my parents had that summer uh, taken apart a deck, and so they had this huge pile of, of old lumber with nails still in it, but a lot of the lumber was still good. And I thought, I'll make myself useful by pulling out all the nails in that lumber. And so I grabbed a crowbar and started reefing in all these nails. And the problem was it was zero degrees Fahrenheit, and the nails were so firmly stuck in there, I was just cranking on these things as hard as I could, and I hurt my back really badly. And it wasn't just a pulled muscle. It was like, oh, man, I did something really bad. I tweaked it. And so after Christmas break, I get on the plane and, and fly back to college, and I can't even sit through class. My, my back is in so much pain. I'm lying on the floor at my, my apartment with my legs up trying to do my homework. And my, my roommate, he was gracious to me. He found an old cassette player, and he, he recorded uh, lectures on cassette tape and brought them to me so I could listen to them because this was in the days before online learning, and that was the, kind of the genesis of online learning right there. Record the lectures and bring it on a cassette tape. And so I was in bed, I was, I was suffering, I could hardly get up and even go to the bathroom. I was crawling on my hands and knees just to, just to do something so simple. And uh, this went on for months and months. And I went to various doctors and I had MRI, I had x-ray, and finally it came back, my doctor told me, you have, you've crushed discs in your back. You have degenerative disc disease, is what he told me. And he says, you're going to have to learn to deal with the pain. You're going to have to change your routine and how you live your life uh, because you'll never be able to be a laborer ever again. You'll never be able to use your back in these ways. You're going to have to just learn to deal with the pain and adjust your life. That's not what I wanted to hear uh, as an active 20-year-old. So here I am lying on bed. Summer's passing by. I can't work. And I'm, I'm having trouble, you know, just trying to get up every day. I'm lying on the bed, reading the Bible cover to cover, reading the Bible cover to cover. And the Lord spoke to me through a passage in the book of James. Many of you know this passage, James chapter 5. Call the elders of your church. If you're sick, call the elders of your church. They'll come to your home, anoint you with oil, and pray, and you'll be healed. And I said, that sounds like something I probably need to do. So I called my pastor, and he brought the elders over after church one Sunday night. And in my living room, I knelt on the carpet, and they all knelt around me, laid hands on me, anointed me with oil, just like the Bible says. And they prayed prayers of faith that God could heal me of this ailment. There were no pyrotechnics. There were no people jumping up and down and yelling. There was no shouting, no begging God. It was just simple prayers of faith in obedience to what God's word has revealed. And I got up off the floor that night, and my body was already beginning to feel better. I could feel like tingling in my spine. The next day, I felt like a lot of heat in my back, and my, my pain was dissipating. The, the second day after the healing, I got up, and all the pain was gone, 100% healing, and in 25 years, I've never had a relapse of that. My back has never hurt in 25 years. I've had labor jobs. Yeah, praise the Lord. I've held blue-collar jobs. I've worked in the oil field. I've worked in the forestry industry doing crazy things with my back, and it's never hurt once because God healed me entirely. And so I went back to college, finished up my senior year, and I give God all the glory. I love sharing this story because the people who were with me at college at that time knew me as like this, this crippled guy who would come and try to play piano for the worship services. And I was like this is so hard but they saw me healed and then whole last year of my college was just a great year and so now as a minister I'm called on many times to pray with people for healing and though I don't believe that I personally have the gift of healing I know God still heals because I've experienced it but it often comes as the elders or as other groups of believers come together and pray in faith 
And I encourage you as believers, we've got to get back to this practice. It's our great privilege to ask our gracious God for his help. And some of you have been given the gift of healing. And so I kind of think, hey, we should be like getting our elders to to wear the tires off of their vehicles, going to people's homes and praying for them in this way. It's what the Bible teaches us. Why aren't we doing that more often? Now let's talk a little bit more about what healing is because Jesus healed when he walked the earth, but not everybody in the land of Palestine got healed, right? Right? The apostles operated in healings. We have testimony of that in the scriptures, but not everybody who was around the apostles ended up getting healed. In fact, Paul, one of his closest co-workers, he left him in a sick bed so that he could go and keep on doing the ministry. Well, don't you think it ever occurred to Paul to pray for healing for his friend? Of course it did. And for whatever reason, God did not heal in that situation. God doesn't always heal or work miracles in our time frame. Sometimes healings are partial or temporary. I've seen that many times. We'll pray for healing, we'll anoint with oil or whatever, and they'll get a partial healing. They'll get some reprieve. Maybe the cancer will go into remission, but it'll come back. You get some of those temporary or partial healings. Sometimes we pray and for years, and, and the prayers don't get answered. But I believe, and I want to remind you this morning, that every prayer for healing for the body and mind of a believer will be answered. How? Because healing for a child of God is an ironclad promise to every believer. It's a question of on which side of the eternal timeline are you going to get healed. That's an important perspective. Because some of us are going to see it in some way in our bodies, in our mortal state, on this side of eternity. But every believer is promised a perfected, resurrected body at the great resurrection. And this pain-free body will last for all eternity. That is the great hope that Jesus has given us by his resurrection. But what's more important than physical healing is the healing of our sin wound. For what good is a healthy body if you spend eternity in the lake of fire? The Bible tells us that by the scourging of Messiah, by his whipping, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. And though there's definitely a physical healing aspect to this, the primary meaning is the healing of our sinful hearts, the sin wound that we all carry. Because Jesus Christ, Lord of the universe, has paid the price for our sins in his physical body on that cross by suffering the wrath of God in our place so that we would never have to pay for our own sins. If God does grant healing to our physical bodies in the here and now, it is merely a metaphor for what God has made available in Christ for all who will call on his name to be saved from the coming judgment. And I urge you to receive that healing above all else. Because once you're in that kind of a loving relationship with God, we have the privilege of asking for his mercy and his grace upon our mortal bodies. And then, having asked, we simply accept his will. Knowing that in the cross of Christ, our full healing is guaranteed, and for reasons only known to God and in his sovereign grace, some of us are going to have to wait just a little while longer to get our healing. But I want to encourage us and challenge us, church, to grow in our faith by seeking divine healing and by calling spiritual leadership, for example, of the church to come to your home and anoint you with oil and believe God for a miracle. And by the way, this kind of believing, uh, this kind of healing is only for believers, the kind that is talked about in James chapter 5. Other kinds of healings can be done. Uh, We can do healings here in in the church, of course, Um, but many times healings are for gospel witness, just like miracles. They accompany the preaching of the gospel. And so if you have this gift We need you. We need you to use the gift that God's given you uh, because there could be somebody who has 
a healing that they need in our, our fellowship. And God could use your hands and your prayers to bring that person to, to wholeness. What a beautiful thing. What a great testimony that would be for us. I want to be able to break away on a Sunday morning when I'm leading worship and say, we want to hear a testimony from somebody who got healed this week and just open it up and give glory to God. That would be so cool, right? We want to do that. So let me wrap up these power gifts by saying the following. Do you really believe what the Bible says? Like, do you really believe, not just that this happened, but that it is available for us now in the year 2022? Because sometimes we read the Bible with such familiarity that we no longer allow it to create dissonance in our inner being that will make us cry out for God. God's word should make you cry out for more of his power and his presence in your life because we need childlike faith. We worship a risen Savior who literally died and literally came out of a grave. If he can conquer the grave, and if all of Christianity is built on the promise that we will do the same, then I have no trouble believing that God can heal a blind person in 2022. I have no trouble believing that God could take a crippled person and make them walk in 2022. We have to believe that God is still able to do these things. Because most skepticism in our hearts is actually thinly veiled idolatry. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's idolatry of our intellect rather than submission to the authority of God's word, trusting that his ways are higher than our own. Because there are things that God wants to do on this earth that will only happen because of our faith. There are things not currently happening on the I-70 corridor because of our low level of faith. Faith releases the activity of heaven on earth. In fact, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was only ever amazed by one thing the entire time he walked on earth. He was amazed by a lack of faith, and he was amazed by great faith. Can you imagine Jesus, God himself, being amazed by anything? But that's what it says. It says there were times that Jesus couldn't do many miracles in certain towns because of their lack of faith. Somehow, faith moves God to act. And we miss out when we put God in a box and say he doesn't work this way anymore today. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the game changer, and power gifts must come with the faith and the obedience in our lives in order to use them. By the way, if you're living in sin, you're not going to be able to operate in the power gifts. You're not going to be able to operate in any gift. Faith equals obedience, and it's the obedient, surrendered life that's going to see the working of God in power. So you see, when we read the scriptures, and, and it doesn't match up with our own experience, we have only two options. Either we lower the expectations of Scripture, we try to bring it down to where we live, our level of impotent experience, or we intentionally seek to elevate our experience and our faith to come into line with God's Word. And so the question for us this morning is, which will you choose? Do you want to experience God's power? Do you want a deeper faith? Do you want to see a move of God in this generation? Or are you happy just to believe the right things about God in your cerebellum and never actually see him move in power? The Bible warns us about people who have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. We're told to stay away from people like that. Do we believe that the God of the Bible is still the same God today? That he still heals? He delivers people from slavery to sin and addictions? He can kick out demons? Do you believe that God could speak prophetic words and visions through your lips? Do you believe that he could use your hands and your prayers to heal someone? Friends, we've got to get back to these power gifts. We need to operate in them. And I promise you, they're already here among us. But we need to be a faithful church. And we need to see people activate their faith. 
Faith is not passive. Faith is not cerebral. Faith is action. Word and action. So for some of us here today, the prayer is very simple. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's taken from an experience that Jesus had when he was asked to heal someone. And, and Jesus told him, do you believe I can heal him? And he's like, I, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. He's crying out to God saying, I, my brain says I think you can, but my spirit is not making the connection yet. And that's what we need this morning is to grow our faith. We need to increase our faith. We need to ask God a very simple prayer that I know he's going to answer for us is give us faith. Give me faith to trust what you said. There are some prayers we ask God and we can't be sure how he's going to answer it or what it's going to look like. But I'll tell you one thing. When you ask God for more faith, that's a prayer he's going to be on. He's going to be on that one. He wants to answer that prayer. Lord, give me faith. And Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So this morning, as we close this worship service, I want to ask you to do some searching in your own heart. Where are you in regard to these power gifts? Where are you in regard to the gifts as a whole? Are you operating in faith? Are you believing God for great things? The prayer for us might be simple. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So I'm going to ask you if you want to stand and engage in worship right now. That's cool. Do that. Raise your hands and and believe God for great things. Maybe you need to take a moment of reflection and just say, God, you know, I'm broken inside. I, I want to believe, but I just, I can't. There are obstacles in my way. And I need you to give me faith. That's a legitimate prayer too. So however you want to respond in this time, let's just call on the name of the Lord to increase our faith this morning. Amen.